You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hockey fans, if you'd like a copy of my new book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to flankerpress.com. If you'd like a personalized copy for $25 plus shipping, email me at terryryan2020 at gmail.com. That's terryryan2020 at gmail.com. and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 124A of Tales with TR. I'm your host, Terry Ryan. Good to be here again. Lots of great feedback from my last podcast with the legend Terry Virtue. Thanks again to Virtue for doing that. And uh, it was nice to catch up. I'll have him back on soon. We got Ryan Power later this week. Ryan is a buddy of mine from Newfoundland. He's known around here now for he trains kids. Well, not all kids, trains people. But a lot of the hockey players that end up going away. We got a few people here that are involved. And uh, ex-players. Um, Andrew McKim's one, Bobbert Thompson, Andy Sullivan. There's a lot. Uh, Donnie Goss. There's all kinds of little camps on the go. But Ryan specifically does off-ice stuff. And uh, he's got an interesting story. Played in the OHLs, the fastest Newfoundlander I've ever seen skate. Might change with Alex Newhook, who who he trains. No flute that Alex is such a bullet. But anyway, Ryan, um, I don't know if those old enough to remember might remember in uh, mid-2000s, there was a show, I think it was called Making the Cut. It was just for any hockey players to go on there. And there was six Canadian teams at the time. Like, oh, yeah, there was, yeah, because Winnipeg wasn't in again yet. And uh, so each team picked a player. So six lucky winners, not lucky, I guess they had to work for it, went to like a camp. and Not like a camp, it was a camp. And um, it was week to week. I don't know, it was like watching Big Brother or something or what was on the go at the time. Uh, the biggest loser, you lose a bunch of weight or whatever, that health kick comes in and out of style. Well, it was big then, and reality shows were right coming into their wheelhouse. So they did that. I was surprised they didn't keep doing it. And I forget the other five players, but there was um, Hubauer, I think. There was a kid for, for St. John's Maple Leafs. What happened was you would win a contract. So six Canadian teams would give one of their contracts to players at this camp. And there was some there was some great players. There really was. Um I remember a lot of a lot of ex-major junior and pro guys that might have got passed up for a reason. When you're like 20, 21, 
right? You're coming out of junior, you're coming out of college or Canadian university, right? You got a decision to make. And even I'll rewind that Canadian university is often decision that juniors have to make. They say, you know, I can, because you play major junior, this is just one example. There's a lot of different directions and angles for this, the way the Canadian hockey league does their schooling, the way hockey generally, you could go to college, you know, or major junior, and there's all kinds of players from all over the world now, and there's players from junior A getting drafted in bigger numbers than ever. But let's just say if you're a major junior player, then for every year you play, generally most people have, or a lot of people have different contracts. For me, the minute I played one game with Tri-City, they were paying for my schooling unless I got drafted and signed, which is what happened. But generally, I believe for every year that you play, uh, you get a free year of schooling, right? And in Canadian, or I guess you can pick wherever. Most people go Canadian University, the kids I know from Canada. A friend of mine, Brent Ashcroft from Junior, great scorer. Didn't see an NHL career, so he went to Ohio State, took his school money. He didn't even play there. He just went and uh, used the, the package for that. So there's, there's each situation is different, but a lot of the Canadian kids, a, a lot of kids in general. I'm just talking, let's just say people that I see every day training to go away here from Newfoundland, right? Well, they'll hit pro, and then they have a decision. Do I go to college? Do I give it a shot? Um, Zach O'Brien and Marcus Power played together growing up. Uh, two, anybody follows the East Coast League, the Newfoundland Growlers, they won, and two of the boys are awesome. They played minor hockey together, played on the Growlers together. When we go to ball hockey, they play together. Just on, And they really know, like, they're, they're great players in their own right, but when they're together, they're real, even more dangerous. But Marcus picked school, CIS, and Zach picked, picked uh, the American Hockey League about way when this was six or seven, eight years ago now. But when they were coming out of junior, um, you know, each one of them was near the league lead in scoring, um, like both top five. And uh, Zach went and Signed in the American League, got a Calder Cup out of it with Manchester. Those who follow Biz Nasty was on that team. And Marcus went to UPEI. They both had great experiences and landed here on the Growlers the last three years. They won it, uh, the East Coast League Championship in their first year. It was just awesome to watch. It was a lot of fun. And uh, Marcus actually just, uh, just retired because of uh, he had some injuries and he had some a concussion or two. I've been there. You never really want to play through that. It gets dangerous. But anyway, Marcus was signed in Vienna, but uh, just decided to come home. And he's, he's, I love it. He's immediately given back. He's coaching uh, a peewee team here with Connor Donahue. <laughs> Those who follow chicklets know the chicklets know the con man. So they're coaching, which I love to see. Um, I love to see players, ex players that have a lot to give coach and give back that don't have any skin in the game. They don't have a, a son or daughter on the team. You know, not that that's always a bad thing, but it can be. And you don't see enough volunteers that just do it because they want to help a lot, you know, because their son or daughter's there, like I said. And it's, you know, it's not quite nepotism at its finest, 
you know, lots of times these kids are definitely good enough to be there. And, you know, um, I don't know much about volleyball, but I offered to coach. And now they ended up finding a coach who does. But I would have coached Penny Lane's team. I'm not great at volleyball. I played it. But if there was no one to do it, I would. I'm much happier that they found someone that actually played at a university level and can can give the kids something. But, you know, I wouldn't have thought about that if Penny Lane wasn't my daughter, you know, and it had nothing to do with, you know, her assuming she goes up and, you know, they got their team picked. I, I just wanted to help out, but I only wanted to do that because it's my daughter. I, there's not enough time in the day to, to get me to coach a volleyball team I have no affiliation with, especially as really, you know, I played three years of volleyball in school. But anyway, you know, I so that's what I mean. A lot of times it's the, it's great. The, the the reasons and the motives are are awesome, and it's a son or a daughter. My my daughter's coach in soccer. Johnny Andrews played a lot of soccer. Um, his daughter's uh, her age, not the team, but uh, she'd be there anyway. She's a great player, and and Johnny's an awesome coach. And I'm, you know, as, as Rudy Norman talking more locally now than anything. Rudy's one of the best athletes ever, and he's he's one of her coaches as well. I mean, so it happens, but he's got a daughter, you know, on coming up, and that's what you do. But it's nice to see once in a while, like I said, Marcus, who just had to retire uh, and had a fantastic career. Success is always in the eyes of the beholder. Didn't get any NHL games, but got a schooling out of it. A free schooling, um, got to play major junior, play against some awesome players that are NHL draft picks, NHL stars that will be in the Hall of Fame, then played in Canadian University in an awesome spot being, being Charlottetown PEI with some of his friends, then went pro, won a professional championship with the Growlers, the Newfoundland Growlers, which are affiliated with Toronto. Um, and Marcus is a he's he's a positive guy even when he was going through his injury you know it was team first and and uh you ask him a question it was always team first and there's always a level of positivity in his outlook so i wish him all the best he's one of my real close friends and uh congrats marcus on a fantastic career good luck in the future and i'm pumped that you're giving back immediately because not everybody would including me it took me a few years of settling into retirement before getting involved with coaching in any level so congrats to marcus power um jay's fans i don't know man i guess i'm one of them but i feel bad for the diehards and i don't know what to say it's a hockey podcast i'm gonna go through now my teams the Canadian teams, what I think is going to happen from seven to one. But people are asking me my opinion on the Jays. I, I don't know, man. Like I often say, you hear me and Ken Reed talk about it. I'm, I'm not anti-analytics, but I think that we rely on them way too much now. And playoffs is one of those things, man, that I don't know. You go with your gut. It's the playoffs. Like Gosman was in, those who follow. I, I know a lot of people don't know what I'm talking about. You don't follow baseball, so I'll go easy here. But they had a pitcher in Gosman and he was he was on fire. It was eight to one, eight to one. God, it was bad enough with the Leafs, four to one in that uh, debacle in 2013, game seven against the Bruins. Uh, but, and while that's bad, and the Leafs had such a history of coming up short, it was almost magnified, but. 
I don't know, man. I This is true, man. I turned, Penny Lane and I were watching. She's a fan now since we went to a game a month ago, whatever it was. And it was 8-1. to one. Now, I turned it off at that point. I figured, game over, like everybody. When I turn it back on, it's showing, it's silent. They're showing a replay of a collision with Bo Bichette and George Springer. I mean, arguably two of their better players anyway, two of their better players. You could make an argument, two of their top three. I mean, you'd have to put Guerrero in there. He was nearly MVP last year, but they got a lot of big-time pieces, but I don't know of a lot bigger than Bo Bichette and George Springer. And they collide in the outfield. Springer's getting carted off, waving at the crowd, and it's 9-9. to And I'm going, what the fuck just happened? How long have I been sleeping? I re- I couldn't believe it. For a brief second, albeit brief, I had a pizza with just mushrooms had a cheese pizza with just mushrooms on it maybe two three hours before and it went through my mind for a second i don't suppose those mushrooms were shrooms <laughs> because i couldn't believe what i was seeing and then they lose anyway what do you say man baseball's funny 162 game regular season and then first round of the playoffs is two and out, and it's like it's done in 27 hours. And here we are again. Like, all that, and I really followed it this year. I listened to as, as much baseball as I could. I really had a good feeling about the Jays. I always watch. Baseball is one of the sports I prefer watching, if you can believe it. A lot of people are going the other way. I don't mind the long games. I like it. It's relaxing. Um, I often have one on in the background. Uh, it doesn't require as much Uh, What's the word? You know, I can have it on in the background. I don't have to be watching the TV. With football, I like to watch every single play. And in my own uh, inexperience, very rookie-like mind when it comes to football, I still like to give an opinion to myself. I I have mental conversations. You know, what, what would you have done here? What would I have done? And little things like, I don't know, probably not some people here watch football. Last night, I mean, the Raiders are playing the Chiefs, and I'm looking at it going, it's 30-29. You're going for the two-point play instead of the one, instead of tying the game with four minutes left. I don't understand that. And I assume an NFL coach knows better than I, but sure enough, today, everybody's going off about the same play, so at least I'm, 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 I'm on the right track. Anyway, I'm, I'm getting off topic, if there ever was a topic to begin with. But anyway... Yeah, I find the other sports, and I often bet on the other sports. Uh, baseball, I might bet on Guerrero to get three hits or a certain number of strikeouts, and and you know it helps me analyze the game, and, and I, I enjoy it. I enjoy everything about playing and watching baseball, including the slow pace that most people apparently don't like. But anyway, I I don't know if I've ever seen that I, I i didn't get any stats on that i mean it had to be the biggest comeback in the playoffs was it at least in my life unless there was something there's always something that happened in 1929 from like peewee mckenzie and spuds mcgee or some shit but generally that was as bad a loss as you're going to get and not only that it's punctuated with that collision and springer being out you know they brought him in he was the mvp of the world series recently 
They brought him in to be a big-time player, and he's getting carted off. Just a bad look. Bo Bichette, most hits ever for a Blue Jay in September after a slow start. And it's those two that are colliding in the outfield on a blue play. People say, well, you know, should Bichette should have given it to Springer. I know as a rule you do, but he, there was no one under that ball. It was as hard to call. You know, you got to call it. If you don't hear it called off, you go for it. And I can't blame Bo Bichette or George Springer or anybody. I know. I think Schneider is a great uh, coach. He's often the manager in baseball. It's like the manager's coming out. I'm like, I thought he was the coach. Anyway, coach, manager, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think Schneider did a great job. I really do. I, you know, during the season, it seems that he loves his players, seems they love him. A tragic comedy of errors at the end, but I do question that call taking Gausman out. And those who know baseball, Gausman goes in and the bases load, three on base with none out. Then he they leave him and he gets two outs. So now you're almost there. Now you get momentum, you get everything. And uh, who was it? Santana's at the plate, who's a switch hitter. So they brought in Mesa, I believe, Mesa. Um, to face him. So you brought in a, a worse pitcher analytically against a better batter because Santana's better against uh, the right side of the plate. So you took out Gaussman, who was flying other than that little mess he'd been in, but, you know, he just seemed to be in control of the game. Well, wow, it's fucking 8-1. to one. And then uh, just a, a string of errors. But again, you can't really blame it on Anybody making that decision, you, you can say it contributed. I don't know. I would never have done it. But you still think the bullpen can get, you know, there's seven runs here, not two. But for a few reasons, Gausman wasn't going back in in this series. Uh, you know, I would have rested the bullpen. You probably would have needed them tomorrow. Could have, should have, would have. And who am I to sit here and question John Schneider, who's a damn good baseball guy but i don't know if that was a great baseball decision people make mistakes hindsight i'm sure i mean he doubled down but still hindsight i think he would have done differently but it's easy to just sit here and snap but uh i have every bit of confidence in schneider i just thought it was a monumental collapse i don't know you can't trade everybody so you go with the pieces you got i know that a lot of people had him picked to to win the World Series earlier than the year, and they turned it on at the right time. A lot of people had had them as a sleeper pick to win the World Series, and they don't win a game. So disappointing, yes. Frustrating, absolutely. Do you knock down the whole house of cards? I'm not sure. I don't know. These guys are getting older. Um, in, in a good way. I mean, like the the, the nucleus of their team is. Uh, coming into their prime so it's frustrating and it's like a year it's like another 350 days away <laughs> but you just gotta you know basically gear up for next year's playoffs now it's it's weird man because you know two weeks ago you're I'm listening to sports talk radio and hoping for the jays excited everything else and we've been listening ever since they were down in Florida in the preseason and, you know, even last Christmas, rumblings of the Jays started in their, their season. And, you know, they signed, they made some great acquisitions and there was this big 
build up. And literally, it was over in like 27 hours. And now, back to the same talk radio, listening, and well, what do the Jays need to do? And they, now it's talking about what they need to do in it for next year. So already, there's 27 hours, 162 games. Seems like the season lasts four years. Incredible how long it seems the season has lasts. They have 25 days off is all. It's like baseball, baseball, baseball. Right? Dissecting and analyzing and coming up with every possible play and shift and arm and just every possible. And baseball, there's so many stats you can pay. That's why I hate analytics of baseball because there's so many ways you can look at it. You can break it down one way. I can break it down another. And someone will say, well, you know, this pitcher's hot. For the last five starts, he's done, you know, he's only allowed an average of two and a half hits a start, say, which sounds great. And then someone else will say, yeah, but the game's on Tuesday. And in the last 30 Tuesdays, he's very subpar, right? The last 30 Tuesdays, it's four and a half runs. And you'll be like, fuck, does that really matter? But then you start overthinking it, and that's what I can't stand about baseball there's always another way to look at it at least i shouldn't say what i can't stand about baseball but what i dislike about analytically breaking it down as a lot of these quote-unquote experts do right i mean someone the other night said well you know gave their opinion and well gosman it was time for him to come out it was the sixth inning and that's what analytics say but i would say it's different in the playoffs even I don't know, but I would look at it playoffs because that's when people step up. Players like Nolan Ryan clearly had another gear, right? And they get into these big games or they get halfway through a no-hitter and they, they finish the no-fucking-hitter. I think, I think Nolan Ryan had nine or some shit. No-hitters. If it wasn't nine, it was seven. Like, you know, so there's clearly something different in this guy's makeup. Now you take him out after the fifth every goddamn time because analytics say to do that. So we don't really know who's out there with jam like Nolan Ryan, right? We know some of them, but it's hard to get a read on that. But when it comes to the playoffs, and you can tell when a guy's rolling and he doesn't want to be taken out, and literally he's got the fucking whole winter to improve. He wasn't going in. It was going to be Stripling and Barrios likely the next game, plus of the bullpen, and then the series is over. If you win, you win. You play again. He's got ample days off, and if not, you know, you wait for next season, but you give yourself the best chance. I don't know. But again, it's me talking like a frustrated fan. And uh, 99 out of 100, I wouldn't even say 9 out of 10, 99 out of 100, that does not, no one comes back from 8 to 1. It could be fucking big bird pitching. You know what I mean? Could be could be Penny Lane lobbing the ball. It's going to go to players. It's going to get popped up. It's going to ground outs like not every single bad pitch ends in a home run or a hit the odds say man it's eight to one you could throw it underhand and you're going to win the game so frustrating highly series of events that's unique oh yeah do you strip it down and start again i don't think so i still think they got one of the better teams in baseball and uh you know, just go move ahead, and you hope that doesn't happen. Anyway, all in all, it's hard as 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 a fan to to look there and 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 try to 
take a lot of positives out of that, but it was a positive season. There was players that improved drastically. Little things. I don't want to start naming all of them because I want to get onto my hockey uh, takes now, but, uh, you know, little things like Bichette's confidence at the end of the year after starting slow, being one of the best, well, the hottest player in baseball. Um, a lot of their pitchers were – it definitely let them down in the end, the bullpen. But during the course of the year, I thought there were a lot of mini successes considering I thought it was going to burn them. I mean, it did in the end. It was part of what burned them. But I thought some of their pitchers, Alec Manoa, really, really improved. And, I mean, he lost game one, but I'd have every bit of confidence in him again. I think he took huge strides. And, um, you know, I could go down the list. There's almost every player that was a regular, including even that guy they traded for towards the end of the year, Whit Merrifield, right, who started like shit, but he came back and he ended up doing his little things. You could tell that they're buddies. You could tell that. They had fun playing the game. There was all kinds of reasons to be happy about the season other than the biggest thing, which is the playoffs. So I'll have to reassess this in two weeks. There's still a bitterness in my mouth. But um, it's hard to look at positives now, but they're there. So you know, it'll be easier in two weeks. Okay, here we go. So I broke down, guys. Um, I'm Like I said, I'm doing some work on Got Your Back podcast, and uh, I'm on there twice a week at least with Ryan Rashog and Jason Strudwick. So question they had for us today was, you know, who do you think is the best team in Canada? Hmm. NHL team, that is. Best NHL team in Canada. So I wrote my projections from 7 to 1. Okay, and I'll just give a few little reasons why. And, uh, I mean, I could be dead wrong, but this is honestly what my heart tells me, okay? And it kills me to do this um, because I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast and they know I played for the Habs and they know that I cheer for the Habs um, to a degree, to a degree. Um, you know, I like to see them do well. I have pride in the fact I played for the team. and uh, But I, I got them coming in seventh here now. If you're a big-time Habs fan, it's going to be bittersweet because I think if I'm them and I know I'm going to be, I won't even say bad, just let's say inexperienced. A lot of their players are young, but they're good, and, and they're, they're going to show promise. Um, I hope that first overall, Slav, Slavkoski, they were talking about him not making it, but I hope he sticks for a while and gets some good NHL experience. Maybe he's big and he's got good moves. Exhibition's tough to just judge someone on. He is young. They got to bring him along at his pace. What pace that is, I don't know, but he went first overall. There's an expectation there, guys, right? There is. I mean, we're not talking about eighth overall. Hardy Hart. We're not talking about 10th overall. We're not talking about 50th, 50th overall. We're talking about first overall. We're talking about to a team that's basically projected to be near the bottom of the league. Okay? So. I put them there because of inexperience, and I don't think they're going to make any big acquisitions to go for any veterans halfway through the year because I don't see any universe where they're fighting to make the playoffs. If that happens, I'll eat my words, and I'll be happy 
that they did. I'm not one of these guys that's dying to have all my projections turn out right. But I'm saying if you gave me $10,000 now and said, look, if you pick these picks correctly in order, you get the money. If not, you don't. Right? Nothing to lose. Then I would pick the Habs at number seven. Okay? Now, I think there's going to be much like I just talked about the Jays. There's going to be positives and even, even in losing. I think there will be a lot of ups this year. And I think Cole Caulfield... Remember how bad he started last year and he came back and really turned it on? You got to remember that. Martin St. Louis there again, seemed to click with him. That's just him. Suzuki, um, who's just been named captain. A lot of people were surprised at that. I wasn't. I think he's a young player. He's a first round pick. You put your, you know, you put a lot of confidence in him and you give him a contract, you let him spread his wings, and he went out and did it. And I hear that he's a great teammate. So why not? Why not give it to a young, uh, just stand-up guy who's a great leader uh, in a team that thrives on having great leadership? Canadians are the best when they have great leadership. Uh, and that all doesn't always come in the form of captain, but it often does, right? And... Uh, it pays in certain places to have a good captain. And that's one of them because of all the pressures and, you know, the the attention from the media. You got to know how to take that. He's been there now a few years. As a first-round pick, all, all spotlights on him. He's passed with flying colors. I think he's going to be a good captain. I could go down the list, but I'm not going to. I think that a lot of the Canadians are going to progress. Uh, but I think they'll be in the sweepstakes stakes for Connor Bedard. Number six. Five and six. God, this was tough for me. But I'm picking Winnipeg. Winnipeg could be up as high as four in my mind. Six. Here's here's my reasoning. Okay, so Wheeler got stripped of the captaincy, which It was a different move. It's happened before, but he's still in the dressing room. Um, I didn't call it, hear anybody calling for his head or anything. I mean, I know he didn't have a spectacular year, but it, it seemed to me to be out of the blue. Now, was it called for? Maybe it was. I don't know. But it just seems to me that there's a lot of uncertainty there. Rick Bonus comes in. He's a fucking fantastic guy and coach, I hear. But I know he, he really... Um, you know, he's he's defense first. Now, just to name a couple, Shifley, Say, and Connor aren't defense first. And from the outside looking in, they don't even seem good at defense to me at times. Anybody can buy in and work hard and play defense, in my mind. It's some better than others, but everybody can do a sufficient job. I get it that a lot of offensive stars you know, want to save their energy for offense, it happens. I get it. Sometimes it's subconscious. I just mean those two in particular. And Shifley, something about it doesn't, he doesn't scream good attitude to me. Maybe I'm wrong. But just a few times over the years, he's rubbed me the wrong way. Not even, there's something, there's something there. Um, maybe he's a fantastic leader. It just doesn't seem like it to me. 
again, you're only I, I'm I got this platform, so I'm I'm speaking, but I could be totally wrong here. I got no reason to say that, other than my own gut instincts from the last four or five years, not meeting expectations as a team, and there's always seems to be an internal problem. Didn't Paul Maurice walk away? Another right Line's comments before he was traded don't sound great from this guy that came in so lauded as the next big time scorer in the league, right? Line A kind of came in and fizzled out. Um, so I, they've got the parts and Hellebuck, I mean, he could, he's always at the beginning of every year in the conversation. Um, a betting man would say he's in the conversation for the Vezina, a fantastic goalie. And uh, I really, I mean that. I really think he's a fucking great goalie. I, not many goalies I love watching, you know, because it's boring, but I like watching that guy play goal. So it could go the other way. I don't see them. I don't see them getting more points if that's what we're going by. I'm talking this is regular season points. Playoffs are a different thing. Um I don't see them coming ahead of Calgary, Toronto, or Edmonton, okay? And I would be very surprised if that happens. But Ottawa, Vancouver, of course. I think most people would probably take Ottawa near last, but I'll get to them next. Anyway, Winnipeg, for those reasons, I think some of their players are declining and have peaked. It just seems like they peaked maybe a year or two ago and a couple of disappointing playoff finishes when I had them as possible cup contenders. I think a lot of people did. I just don't see them. They don't seem to have gained a lot since those days. And why would I bet on them now? You know, now why would I put them six out of seven? Like I said, I don't think they're going to be better than the top three, which brings us to five and four. Obviously, Ottawa and Vancouver. So I got Ottawa at five. Um, and this was tough. Because logic would still tell you to put them at six, right? Like, I think most people would probably put Ottawa down there. Mostly because of their last few years and they're real young. But look, I think it's a positive time for Ottawa. Same thing as Winnipeg. Two, you, maybe two years ago before DJ got in there. Good ex-teammate of mine, by the way. Congrats to DJ Smith for, for turning the franchise in a positive direction. But there was a lot of negative stuff. Remember the guy fucking got recorded in a cab and Eugene Melnick and... Uh, you know, a lot of his questionable decisions and interviews and rest in peace. Um, I had nothing against the guy, but there, there was a period that the train was teetering off, going off the rails. And uh, it was just a weird time for Ottawa. And a lot of, they, they really haven't had, you know, they're talking about moving into a new rink. People were kind of worried for a while. I mean, with the attendance, are they even going to keep their team? But while all is not solved... A lot is, and they got a positive attitude. Uh, it, Like I said about the Habs, like the last couple of years, there's been no pressure. But now guys like Kachuk and Norris and Stutzla, and, you know, they're, they're a year older and coming into their prime, right? And they're, you know, a Shabbat. You got that, what's the kid's name? Oh, God, is it Sanderson? Had a good, got a good exhibition. Um. Yet Claude Giroux from the area and, and wants to go there, right? They got Alex Dabrinkit out of nowhere, a 25-year-old fucking 40-goal scorer. I think there's a lot. I think they could be dangerous. 
Of course, I think like next year and the year after, but I think this year they might exceed expectations. And I, I think from from everything I've been following, expectations are that, like the Canadians, they'll finish near the bottom, but work hard doing it. But I don't know. I I see them as significantly better than Montreal, and the only real questionable mark I got there, because I do think they're going to. I don't think they're going to be near the bottom. I don't know if they'll make the playoffs, but I think they'll be closer to like number 20 than 30, put it that way. Um, and if they made the playoffs, it wouldn't surprise me one bit. I'm just saying you're, I'm, I'm ordering these or ranking these teams. What I think the order, and if money was on the line, then I would put them at five. I would. Uh, Talbot, uh, did I mention that? Talbot's out and he's there goalie that they you know they they went out and, and you know he's a proven starter with you know and they've got confidence in him as as do his fans and, and Ottawa fans so it's a bit I'm not sure how how much he, I, I just read the ticker here and it says that he's out another at least at least three or four weeks if that's true they might have a bit of a rough start and Ottawa also don't they I think they've got a fantastic group, but it's thin, right? Like all those players I mentioned, I'm really excited about. But I, I don't know if they're as deep as the other teams. And if one of these, like, I think Edmonton, um, Dreisaitl was hurt in the playoffs. God love me, played hurt. And you could tell, but, you know, Edmonton, and I think he may, may even have missed a game or two. And he's a big-time scorer, one of the biggest in the league. But if he gets hurt, Edmonton can fill in the blanks. Not, you know, it's hard to. I'm not saying that you can replace him, but you know, I think all the other Canadian teams, other than the two I just mentioned, can afford to lose one of their better players and still hope to do pretty well in the standings. Whereas I don't think Ottawa have like if one of the guys I mentioned is out. And it just so happens that their goalie, arguably the most important piece, is out for quite a while, at least. Then that might lead to some problems. So anyway, that's what I think of Ottawa. Hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for the season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. Do you think that Shesterkin's the favorite to win the Vesna? I don't know. I like the plus 500 on Andre Vasilevsky. There's also a Battle of Alberta coming up next weekend. How many points does Connor McDavid end up with? Who gets the win? What's the final score? These are all things you can bet on at DraftKings Sportsbook. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with the same game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network, at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So, number four, I got Vancouver. Now, I don't know. There's nothing not to like here, really. Um... Last year scared me. I, one of my favorite players to watch two years ago was Elias. Is it Elias Peterson? 
Pedersen, whatever the Vancouver. I mean, his first few games that I watched, I'd heard about him and seen stats. I was so impressed. He was creative. He was doing stuff out there nobody else was doing. And I, I like, I thought I was looking at the next leading scorer of the National Hockey League. And by now, I thought he'd definitely be challenging for that. Last year was a step back. And a lot of the games I watched, and again, I like to watch Vancouver games. I had a lot of friends out in BC. I lived there. And I had, so, you know, I know a lot of people listening to this are from my, uh, my days playing junior hockey out there and in the Western Hockey League. And I know that you're Vancouver fans. So I like to have, I like to be able to talk with my old buddies about the team that they watch. So I watch a lot of Vancouver men. And he was probably the, the player in the league that disappointed me the most last year watching Elias Pettersson. Like he, a lot of the games didn't seem like he was trying. It brought back, it reminded me of watching Alexi Ashen play. Um, and it was frustrating watching Alexi Ashen. I just always thought he had another gear. People say that about Kovalev, but Kovalev at least was trying. I mean, certain he'd really turn it on sometimes. But it seemed like Kovalev cared to me. I I don't know. Like Peterson looked like Ashen, like just totally checked out at times last year. Now he's young. I didn't see that at all the year before. I saw a player that was blossoming into one of the best in the league. So. He, to me, is a wild card. You got some fucking fantastic players there. I love watching Quinn Hughes. Is he good in his own end? No, he's getting there. But he's fantastic. Fucking Thatcher Demko, the goalie. He's one of the best in the league. Acrobatics. He's reflexive and he's good at angles. I really love watching him play. There you go. Here's another one. I love watching Demko. I just don't know if they're that deep. Um, you know, Miller's there. They Seems like he wants to be there. They, and they had a strong finish. Think about when, when Boudreaux went in there, and it was a different team. And I don't know if, I'm trying to think back now, but I, I think Peterson, I mean, I had my eye on him all year. He did pick it up a little bit when Boudreaux went there and took over. Uh, so it's in them, right? That, that's why I'm, I got him at four. If I judge this team on, and, and you know, most of them are back, what I saw the first part of last year is certain games, it was puke material. It was vomit-inducing shit. But clearly, a switch got turned on um, for part of the year anyway. So they're a wild card as well. Which brings us to the top three. So I got Calgary, Edmonton, Toronto. In what order? I'm not quite sure. But for argument's sake, let's put Calgary at number three. If nothing else... My reasoning is because they're a little unpredictable. They were, they've got a, a successful, proven coach. Uh, they've got a fantastic defense core. I mean, I don't know, but they're one of the best in the NHL. You could make an argument that they're top three D in the NHL, right? I mean, they're solid. Uh, they're big. They're mobile. They're confident. And got, like they want to be there. Right, all this talk lately about people don't want to come and sign in Canada. I don't know, John Huberto, top ten in scoring the last couple of years. He could have won it. It took the last week of scoring for McDavid to beat him. He wanted to go there. He signed, and Uyghur, the D man, he just signed long term. So not only are these guys there, they're excited to be there. They want to be there. It's a hockey town anyway. The fans are going to love them. Okay, they lost Goodrow and Kachuk. 
Nazem fucking Kadri's going in, boys. Right? I mean, this guy leaked the boards to win. He's coming to your team. So there's not much. Kachuk was gone. I'm like, how are they going to re replace that grit? Because grit is becoming a lost art and a commodity that's not out there in big numbers anymore. But they got it and then some. You say what you want about Kachuk, but Kadri just proved he won a Stanley Cup on the heels of his best season ever. And he's cleaned up his act on the ice. Now, you don't want him to clean it up totally. You don't want suspensions, obviously. But it seems to me he's aware of himself. And Nazem Kadri now is a leader. Those Leafs fans look at his early years. He was coming into his own, but he'd often say something. You know, I don't know if the players had... He was still seemed like a bit of a punky kid. I mean, I was too. I'm not holding that against him. You're young. You know, you run off at the mouth a few times. I like him. He says what's on his mind. But I don't think people saw him as this great leader in Toronto. But now think about it. If you were a guy coming in this year, you would think you would leader. Fuck, man. He was one of the best players in the NHL and then the NHL playoffs. Played with a broken thumb. Came supposed to be out for six weeks or some shit. And he came back in three days. And they won. And he played well. And that's just Kadri. Fucking Huberto is one of my favorite players to watch, man. Fucking shades of Wayne Gretzky when he passes the puck. Fucking fantastic to watch. So I'm looking forward to the Battle of Alberta. I think it's going to be lights out this year. And might be in its best form since the late 80s when you had Hall of Famers against Hall of Famers. But uh, it's exciting times. Uh the only reason I would put them three out of those three because I actually think Toronto and Edmonton are even better. Um, that's why I said Calgary wouldn't surprise me. But Calgary are right there. And again, deep. And their D, like I said, they're going to need it, but they've got great fucking D. But now, I find Edmonton, it's basically 1A and 1B. And I know that Edmonton fans don't want to hear Leafs are going to win, and Leafs fans don't want to hear the same about Edmonton. <clears throat> and I don't know who's going to win. I don't know what, what it's going to be. We're talking regular season now, but, I mean, I'm thinking about long-term as well. In this ratings, I'm just thinking regular season. Now, who comes out? I, I don't know, man. It's going to be close. Both teams are going to get, I think, over 100 points. There's a lot of similarities. They have deep. They can both score. Um they both needed to work on their D to some degree, and they did. I know a lot of people still say both teams have to clean up on D, but I, I, I think they're better than we give them credit for. Um, and they both have two superstars, right? That Marner and Matthews are another version of McDavid and Dreisaitl. Um. And while you may laugh at that, let's not forget Austin Matthews got the Hart Trophy. A lot of times I say that, and McDavid fans think it's blasphemy, but you got to consider him in the same conversation. And the thing about Toronto is that you look at it. Toronto scored 25 more goals than Edmonton. I don't usually look at stats. I looked at that this morning. Edmonton scored 290. Toronto scored 315. And Marner and Matthews missed a lot of time. A lot of time, 12 and 14 games, I think it was. Whereas McDavid and Dreisaitl, I think, only missed two or three. So just because these guys can really light it up, I mean, both 
sets of players can light it up. Then you've got the side pieces. I don't know if anybody expected Bunting to get 60 points, but he did. I mean, obviously, that was helped by playing with the players he was playing with. But, you know, and then Edmonton got Hyman. They got Kane back, uh, which is huge. And he's going to play a full year. They're similar in that there's not many openings on the roster, but did any, if anybody watched the preseason, Dylan Holloway was in Edmonton doing what Nick Robertson was doing in Toronto. I mean, it's just both teams to me are just so similar. Um, just in expectation in their best players coming into their prime. Their goaltending, right? Their goaltending is a lot of people got questions. I don't. I think both teams have are going to be way better in the net this year. Uh, Campbell, I think he had a hard time at the end of last year, but people forget, um, you know, he was an all-star and, you know, people in Toronto loved him before the all-star break. And when they came back, um, you know, he had a bit of a rough spell, but I don't believe I'm thinking about the final. I don't believe that the fingers were pointed at Jack Campbell in the final. I think that he missed some time. And it was like, hopefully we, hopefully he's not going to be injured. And I think he played, he showed enough holes towards the end of the year that the Leafs maybe weren't going to sign him, nor did they have that money to. They had to be creative. So they went out and got uh, Murray from Ottawa, who had a poisonous year. But, but he played in the Sioux. He knows Dubas and company. Uh, you know, it's Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, you're... Nothing against Ottawa, but you know you you wouldn't even take that job. I'm sure they spoke. You wouldn't. I would think you would. For any athlete, if you're a goalie in the hockey world and you're playing in Toronto, you're going to get the best out of that goalie. You would never say it from their record, but this guy's from Ontario, played in the OHL. He knows everything riding on this. He doesn't want a bad rep, so I think he's going to. Hey, if he's going to do it, I think he's going to do it here. But my thing is not him. It's Samsonov. That's the and no one's really talking about Samsonov. Samsonov is a goalie, six foot three. He's a first round pick. He's only twenty five, man. And he had a great first year in Washington. The last couple haven't been awesome. Last year was a struggle, but I mean, he's only his only experience in the NHL for the most part has been like in a bubble in that kind of circumstance, right? He was lights out in the KHL when he was 18, 19, 20. Last year he had like an eight nine six or something, which isn't that great. But before that. No, in his first year, I think it was, say, percentage was 919 or some shit. Like, I don't know. I think and there's been no major, major injury. I know he's been injured, but it's not like, well, you know, he's got two bad knees. He's 36. Hopefully he can do the job when we need him to play five games a year. I think he's every night he might be the starter. Murray has a bad game. Samsonov goes in there and lights out. I think there's two number one goalies there. People think I'm fucking nuts when I'm saying this. But the Leafs had to do something. Edmonton had to do something. Edmonton had a little bit more money to go for Campbell with at that particular position. But it's pretty similar. And I think they're both better off uh, because Mrazek was poisoned in the net for Toronto. That was their backup uh, last year. And now at least they have two arguable number ones. Again, people laugh, but I don't think so. I think they're going to go out and be fine. And I think Samsonov's going to come back with a fantastic year. Uh, and Campbell, I think, is going to be good, man. He seems up to the uh, up to the challenge. Uh, 
I don't think preseason means much when it comes to goalies, but if if either one of those three I just mentioned were uh, sucked during preseason, it would be a little bit alarming. Uh, and I guess Edmonton will go with Stuart Skinner for the backup, I'm assuming. Uh, and probably a little less pressure on him than the other three I mentioned. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for both teams. Um, and I think it's going to be a fantastic year for Canada because, like I said, even in losing, like, I'm really excited to watch the Habs in Ottawa. And uh, I got a peg near the bottom, but I think there's going to be a lot of positive, and I think there's going to be a lot of individual efforts on those teams that are going to be not only pleasing to the eye, but if you're a hockey fan, especially a Canadian hockey fan, put it this way, I sniff out Canada being back in the Stanley Cup final within a few years. I do. And uh, I call me crazy, but uh, I think this is the year the Leafs get out of the first round. Now, which it isn't saying much, but it is. You got you to take steps, and that's the step that they have to take. Um, but are they better than Edmonton? Look, my life's on the line here. If my life's on the line, this is why. I call them 1A and 1B. Here's the reason I would go with Edmonton. Because Edmonton have Jay Woodcroft, who came in halfway through. Edmonton, not even a little bit after that. Edmonton were in a huge slide. I don't remember, but I, I know they lost like 14 of 16 or something. It was, it was bad to a lot worse teams than Calgary and shit. Um, and then around the same time, they brought in Evander Kane. And around generally the same time, they brought in Brett Kulak. Kulak plays defense, does his job, leaves. He's not the first guy interviewed. He's not the first guy you notice on the highlights, but I thought he really did a great job. Woodcroft clearly made a difference as coach. And Evander Kane ended up with 30-odd goals in a short amount of time. And now Edmonton has the same team, other for the most part, other than those guys are going to be there. The biggest difference is that those guys are there now all year. So, again, gun to my head, gun to my head for that reason. And we're talking points in the regular season. We're not talking playoffs here. That changes, and I'll do that when the time comes. But when that time comes, there's going to be injuries. There's going to be trades, even though everybody seems set now. You play around the injuries. Someone might get pissed off at the coach, fire a water bottle, suspension. I don't fucking know, but shit changes, right? It always does. So I'll do another one of these before the playoffs. But right now, I just, you know, I'm, I'm saying Edmonton number one because I have to uh, and for that reason. But uh, I don't know. I put them both, if I had to pick 105 to 110 points on the season range, and uh, I think there will be flashes of dominance uh, from both squads. Both have a fucking huge fan base. And uh, in Edmonton, you're going to have that Edmonton-Calgary Battle of Alberta. So I think it's exciting all around. And, uh, you know, Winnipeg, you know, I know I got a lot of listeners from Winnipeg and you don't, Probably like what I had to say about the team. 
Look, I hope I'm wrong. It's just something, it seems something to me negative in Winnipeg. And there, if from the outside looking in, if this was a video game, I would tear down Winnipeg and bring it back up again. That's what I would do. Prove me wrong. I fucking hope they do. Because I tell you, if any one of these teams makes it the furthest, I cheer for them. I'm at the point, and I know that each team has you know, a different amount of Canadians and Americans, and you know, whatever team you're representing has no that doesn't represent the nationalities of each player. And there was a lot of Canadians a couple of years, a lot of Canadians on Tampa Bay, right? Tampa Bay wanted, but I just mean I'd love it to come back to Canada. I would just love that to happen. We're you can argue it, but I don't know. I have listeners from all over the world, but it seems to me, you know, Canadians is not even our national sport. Lacrosse is, but most people think it's hockey. Uh, we think we invented the game. That's also arguable, but you know, a lot of people play it. Canada is synonymous with hockey, hockey success, and there's been a lot of international success. But it would be nice to see one of the cities that bought into the NHL actually bring home a championship. I mean, the last time was 1992-93. You got seven teams out of 32. The odds say that you're going to do it once every four or five or six years, right? Just the numbers, right? But doesn't happen, right? Now we're looking at 30, well over a quarter century. So... It'd just be a nice story. It'd be nice to happen. Anyway, that's my piece. That's what I think. So Habs, Winnipeg, Ottawa, Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, and Toronto. Or uh, Toronto and then Edmonton, sorry. But anyway, I think it's going to be interesting. I'm definitely more excited for the beginning of this season than any other of the past few. If nothing else, there's just no COVID now. There's just, there doesn't seem to be that word, the threat of no fans or missing games or athletes having to get checked and then miss, you know, big games. And what happened? No, Johnny's got COVID. He's got no symptoms, but he can't play game five. It's just like, fuck, man. Anyway, all that shit seems to be washed out. So that's exciting that we're in a positive place here. I don't want to be insensitive when I say that too. I was always I always get those emails. Look, I was never anti-vax or anything, whatever. I, I don't really think you should be forced to take it, but now we're getting real personal. I took it, right? It, I had to for the work I do and everything, and I did I'm not really against it, but I'm fucking happy that it's over, right? I really am fucking happy that we're humans more than anything, and something didn't sit right with me the whole time. And maybe that was magnified by having a daughter and looking at her every day and over there on her computer and twiddling her thumbs, you know, just trying to come up with different games and everything to play in the dark or not the dark in the in the house alone. You know, there was a period of that. That's for the birds, man. It's we're humans. We need to be social. We need to be safe. So I understand. But fuck it. Now we don't even talk about it. The only time I hear about a mask is at the airport. And I hear that's soon going to go to the way of the dodo. So let's turn the page healthy and happy and onward and upward. And good luck to everybody out there that, uh, well, what's the word? Not good luck, but 
condolences to anybody that lost anybody, and I don't mean to be insensitive, but I'm just saying it's po- it's a positive feeling. The school year feels positive, and this, uh, you know, sports, sports in general, not just hockey. I just seem to get a really optimistic vibe, which is good. But outside of that, you know, the Canadian teams, there's a lot of storylines uh, that are going to be interesting. So it should be a fun year, no matter what city you're listening to this from, no matter what fan fan base you're part of. It's just nice that hockey's back for the most part. The stars are ready to play. The The money players are ready to go, and it, uh, it all starts tonight. So happy hockey season to everybody out there. We will be back in two days. Uh, I guess I'll post it on Thursday or Friday, Ryan Power. I will be in Pittsburgh on the 14th for a live Q&A with the Chicklets group. So thank you guys for having me down again. If you're in Pittsburgh or the area, uh, stay tuned. Follow my Instagram feed, and I'll let you know exactly where we're going to be. We're going to do a lot in a couple days. I know we're we're doing uh, live Q&A amongst uh, some other things. So it's it's exciting. I look forward to seeing all the Chicklets fans and fans of uh, Tales with TR. It's always fun. I really enjoy those weekends. So stay tuned. This has been 124A. Thanks a lot for listening. If you're going to have a beer in town, why not head to the Rob Roy TJ's Pub, Greensleeves, Bull and Barrel, Trinity Pub. And if you're going to go for a bite to eat, why not the Merchant Tavern, Blue on Water, or, of course, Wedgwood Cafe, also available for catering. True hockey, take what's yours. Thanks for listening. This has been 124B Tales with TR. Catch you on the rebound.